Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre-record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. This is the Eagle Hour with Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, and Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg with the Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us today. We've got a good show. We're going to be talking a little baseball here in just a moment with the play-by-play voice of the University of Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Also on the show today, Joe Courtney is a former Southern Miss basketball player, NBA star, and now an author and motivational speaker around the country. Looking forward to talking to him. His life has been quite an adventure. We'll update you as well on uh, all things basketball, as uh, that's a big key sport right now at Southern Miss, and uh, we're really looking forward to the tournament, uh, which starts a little later this week. First, though, segment uh, one, sponsored again today, as always, by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, a proud supporter of USM Athletics. You can enjoy their great assortment of uh, meats that are smoked every day in their restaurants around the state and of course here in Hattiesburg next to the mall. Don't forget they cater any event large or small. Next time you have something special in your life we encourage you to let Dickies do the cooking and if you want to invite Kelly down for dinner at Dickies he'll always willing and they'll take care of that soft serve ice cream when he's done. You won't have to give me about 20 minutes notice. <laughs> at least. Right? At least. <laughs> All right. Uh Golden Eagle baseball uh, back in action uh, tomorrow night. Tough week for the Golden Eagles as they travel to Lafayette, Louisiana to play the Raging Cajuns and then on to uh, uh, Louisiana Tech where they'll have three games down at the Love Shack. But first things first, the always tough Raging Cajuns from the University of Louisiana up next. Jay Walker is the play-by-play voice for Raging Cajun baseball, and he joins us on the Eagle Hour. Jay, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me. I was doing great, but now you talked about Dickies, and now I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, and actually, before you actually get to play baseball at Louisiana Lafayette, I hear tell, Jay, that the tailgate parties in Lafayette are legendary. Uh, we we like to have a good time. And, uh, <laughs> Our uh, our our baseball culture uh, has really caught on here over the years, and you know we're proud to say that we've been in the the top ten in attendance in college baseball the last few years, and you know it, uh, that our fans like to make uh, like to make baseball an event, and they do a pretty good job. Of it. Yes, they do. Many years ago, Kelly, my wife and I went to a football game. This was a long time ago down in Lafayette, and we got invited over by some raging Cajun fans and. They were cooking crawfish and drinking adult beverages. And uh, we spent most of the afternoon with them. And uh, the, the game's kind of a blur, but I do remember the party was a lot of fun. In Lafayette, the adult beverages <laughs> go over cornflakes in the, <laughs> in the morning, right? Well, Jay, no question. Uh, it's always entertaining to come down there and uh, compete with the Raging Cajuns. A tremendous baseball program. A legendary coach with 12 regionals, four super regionals, and a college World Series appearance. In fact, your coach is, the I read today, the eighth winningest coach in NCAA baseball. Uh, the eighth uh, winningest active coach, yes. Right, uh, yes. 
He's, uh, yeah, I think he's at uh, something like 1,155 wins uh, in his career. And the crazy thing about it is Tony Robichaux is uh, is still a relatively young man when you get right down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony is uh, is 58 years old. He actually became a head coach in college at the age of 25, and wow. has been uh, has been head coach ever since. And he's in his 25th year uh, at Louisiana and um, closing in on 900 wins with the Cajuns. He's uh, he's a local guy. He's from about 20 miles down the road in Crowley and. He has kind of become a legend here. Uh, he's, no question. Uh, he, he, runs his, uh, he wins and he runs his program the right way and, uh, and is, one of the, I w- I'm going to say, one of the most respected men in this city. Right. Well, I, c- I can understand why. Uh, you know, my observation of, uh, of your university's baseball program, and, and I've seen him play Southern Miss quite a bit, always tenacious, always tough, always going to fight you down to the last out of the game. And I guess that the Golden Eagles uh, should expect nothing less than that tomorrow night. Is that correct? Well, you know, our, our, our team's going to play hard. They always are. They've gone through some struggles uh, this year. And, and it's a particularly tough week because they have a game tonight against the University of New Orleans. And then Southern Miss comes in tomorrow. And then they open conference play this weekend. So that, uh, that really raises a lot of questions about what Tony's going to do with his pitching staff. And I, I, I'm expecting uh, to see tonight and tomorrow. I think he's thrown 13 or 14 guys this year. Uh, and with exception of a few that he's going to hold out for the weekend, he may throw, throw all of them over the next two days. I don't expect any of the pitchers to go very far, just an inning or two, maybe in both games, uh, because he's, uh, he's got to go ahead and try to maneuver things through tonight and tomorrow and still have fresh arms for the weekend. Jay Walker is our guest. He is the radio voice of the University of Louisiana Lafayette Ragin' Cajuns, Southern Miss, headed there tomorrow night. Jay, when you, when you look at your team off to a 6-9 to a and nine start, I believe, something like that, prior to the season, uh, Cajun land had to have certain expectations of this team. Has the start raised a few eyebrows? What's been the reaction so far? Well, you know, there, there are some... People and and I, you know, I jokingly referred to them as the microwave society. That you know they want it and they want it right now and they want it every night. And you know, in the game of baseball, it just doesn't work that way. I think that there were a lot of question marks about this team coming in, especially with the pitching staff, because you know they they lost uh, all three weekend starters from last year. Um, two of them were were drafted early. One of them went in the third round, and uh, so there there are a lot of questions about the pitching. Um, I think that everyone expected this team to hit a little bit better uh, than they have so far. They didn't hit very well last year, but they were there were a lot of new faces last year. This is, you know, this is a team that's got five five starters back from a year ago, and I, I think they expected to score more runs than what they've done so far. Now, you know, they played a pretty salty schedule. I mean, they opened up with three at home against Texas. Uh, they played uh, three in Huntsville against a very good Sam Houston team. Uh, they've had a midweek game at Louisiana Tech, uh, and then they had Maryland come in for three, and then a, a better-than-expected Loyola Marymount team over the weekend. So, yeah, yeah, they're 6-9, and nine, and, yeah, they'd rather have a better record, but, you know, the reality is they've, uh, they've played some pretty good competition, and they, we got some young kids getting some dirt under their cleats, or in our case, turf, and 
hopefully they'll figure it out before too long. You talked about some tough competition. Sam Houston and New Orleans, both out of uh, Southland. Uh, you play in the Sunbelt Conference, which when it comes to baseball, I think those two conferences, the Southland and Sunbelt, uh, outside of the Power Five, in my opinion, the two strongest uh, baseball conferences. Your thoughts, Jay? Well, you know, the, the Southland, the teams that are good in the Southland are really, really good. The issue that they have with getting more than one team into the NCAA tournament is the bottom of that league isn't real good. And so it kind of, it kind of drags down their RPI a little bit. But Sam Houston, uh, traditionally southeastern Louisiana, although they've struggled a little bit so far this year, um, you know, Northwestern State, Nichols, McNeese, I mean, we play them all every year. And, and they're good. It's real good competition. The Sun Belt, um, you know, it, it's kind of been disappointing in that I think three of the last four years they've been a one-bid league. Now, this is a league that at times has had as many as four teams uh, go to the NCAA tournament. You know, obviously the addition of Coastal Carolina has, uh, has really, really improved uh, the league. You know, the Cajuns in South Alabama have great tradition. Uh, Troy was in the NCAA tournament a year ago. Uh, Georgia Southern, I think, is really good. And I think Texas State this year is, is kind, of, kind of breaking through uh, a little bit. Now, the Sun, Belt's a, the Sun Belt's a good conference. And, you know, traditionally they finish about 6, 7, or 8 in the RPI every year, you know, right up there near Conference USA. You know, and, and Mike Federico, the former assistant coach at Southern Miss, is now the head coach at Louisiana Monroe, so he's the wow. chief Warhawk and has that uh, program turned around. Right. You know, Jay, we were talking the other day to the uh, UNO coach, actually, and uh, he was talking about what a what an incredible hotbed of college baseball all of these schools exist in. I mean, you can – you can start in Mississippi, go over into Louisiana. You can go into Alabama. You mentioned South Alabama. Uh, there just there really are no easy outs if you're playing regional college baseball in this part of the country. We are very very fortunate here in Louisiana. You know, the, your midweek games are dictated by geography, mm-hmm. and you know there are some some schools that there's just there's just no great competition. You know, two and a half, three hours away from your campus. You know, here, the, the schools that I just mentioned, you know, the Cajuns play Tulane twice. They're going to play LSU. They play McNeese State twice. They play uh, Northwestern State, Nichols, and New Orleans once each. Southeastern Louisiana twice. Southern Miss twice. And Louisiana Tech twice. Now, now there's not a game there that's an RPI killer for you. I mean, and, and so within... And, and really, Southern Miss is probably the longest trip. Within three and a half hours of Lafayette, you've got great competition for your midweek games, and that does nothing but make your team better. All right, Jay. Well, look, we appreciate your time very much. Look forward to a good game tomorrow night between two really good programs, and uh, we thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, we look forward to entertaining you guys tomorrow. All right, Jay Walker, everybody, the play-by-play voice of the Louisiana Lafayette. Lafayette. Raging Cages. Joe Courtney's next on the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg today. That's where we're broadcasting this edition of the Eagle Hour. Remind you that you can hear the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Stitcher's Kelly's favorite. Man, look at you spit out all I'm that social you, media I, I stuff. I am a social media guru. You, I, didn't, you didn't realize that? Yeah, of course, now that you got rid of that flip phone, you're, you're right, <laughs> right up there. Our thanks to Jay Walker, play-by-play voice of uh, Louisiana Lafayette. We'll say that now that he's not on the show. That's how I always know him. Tough matchup tomorrow night. For do, they, do they not use that label I anymore? I think it's the University of Louisiana. Okay, fair uh, enough. But always a tremendous baseball program there, really, no question. So a good matchup uh, for the Golden Eagles. Uh, this segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Our friends down on Hardy Street have, as you know, the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel you'll find anywhere on the planet. They even have clothes to fit me and Kelly, which we're very grateful for. And uh, you can see them uh, six days a week on Hardy Street or you're around the state uh, listening to the show. But want some new Southern Miss stuff, you can just go to Campus Bookmart. We appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. Our next guest has a great story to tell. He was a basketball player at first at Mississippi State and then transferred to Southern Miss. Went on to enjoy a great NBA career. Played for seven NBA basketball teams as well as played in the CBA and four European teams. Now as an accomplished author and motivational speaker, Joe Courtney, we welcome you to the Eagle Hour. Thank you very much, guys. How are you today? Well, good, and we're glad to have you on the show. Lots to uh, ask you about. Uh, first, I want to I want to go back to college, Joe. Uh, you started out at Mississippi State, and at what point did you see the light and uh, come to Southern Miss? <laughs> uh, great, great question. Uh, you know, there was a there was a point where we uh, we were recruited. We had a big freshman team going there to state, and then I always remembered in the back of my mind, Coach N. K. Turk and. Uh, the scenario with him in my living room, and you know, I literally never forgot about it. To be honest with you, and when we when we initially signed with State, uh, there was a lot of a lot of uh, pressure from the other teammates uh, in trying to create something and so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, when I, when we got there, you know, worked out, played, did the whole thing, and and um, we had a coach named Richard Williams that was there, and. Um, and, you know, the whole point was my goal to try to get to the next level one way or another. And uh, Richard Williams told my mother that uh, I would never step foot on an NBA floor. And, uh, well, there's two two negatives in that statement. So, uh, uh, you know, I called M. Cape Turk and I said, listen, you know, made a mistake here. I uh, wanted to see if I can rectify it. And and uh, he says, we'll be glad to have you here. And we transferred over and and uh, the rest was history. And, and the fact of the matter is, Joe, when you went to the NBA, you played for the Bulls, among other teams, you really, and it's not very well documented, but you really taught Michael Jordan a lot of what he, what he knows. <laughs> you know what? If I think really closely, I think there was two instances where, where I taught him something, but it definitely wasn't on the basketball court. <laughs> but, but, your, but some of your first points in the NBA were on dishes from him. Yeah, it was kind of funny. You know, my first two points in the NBA was uh, was uh, from Jordan, and I remember sitting in that huddle. I wrote about this in my book, and uh, couldn't believe it was my opportunity to get a chance to play. And I'm sitting there, I'm standing there. My dream, if uh, a lot of you guys don't know, my dream was to play in the NBA, but play with the Bulls. First time I decided to play basketball was, uh, you know, my ninth grade year, going into my tenth grade year, and I turned the television on with my mother. And uh, Jordan was running up and down the court, and, and I said, you know, uh, that would be awesome. He wore his wristband, just kind of crazy stuff. 
Long and short of it is, you know, seven and a half years later, I'm on the court with him, and I'm sitting here daydreaming about this stuff, right? And all of a sudden, the uh, Phil Jackson says, "Okay, break." Courtney get the ball, finish the play, and I go, "Uh oh, what did you just say?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and MJ just said, "Just be ready for the ball." And so a lot of people didn't realize we had met in the summertime. We became really good friends, and I was his rookie. And so he looked at me uh, as we were going on the court. He goes, "But let me get this straight." He says. I'm passing you the ball. He goes, you better make this or you're going to be going back to the minor league. <laughs> and I said, thanks a lot. I really uh, needed that pressure, MJ. And, uh, you know, came down through the ball uh, into to Jordan. They double-teamed him like clockwise or like clockwork. And then uh, next thing you know, I end up getting the ball and dunking the ball and finishing the play. And he was really excited for me. Uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot about this. Uh, just last week, LeBron James, I think, passes Michael Jordan's – one of Michael Jordan's records. And, of course, LeBron James is the darling of ESPN. But, Joe, is is LeBron James a Michael Jordan? No. No. I mean, I, I might be a little biased, biased but no. Uh, that, and I know both of them. Uh, you know, LeBron is, is one of the greatest ever, obviously, to, to grace the court. Uh, but two different types of players, two different types of mentalities. And, uh, you know, and it's also kind of unfair to, to, at this point, to grade LeBron on, you know, the final. It's easy with Michael because his body of work is done. Uh, uh, and LeBron is still yet to finish his. But when you come to, when you look at, a, you know, the attack and the approach of basketball about winning, Michael Jordan at all costs. Uh, and he elevated his teammates, not, not, put them down you know what i mean so uh it was a totally different uh you know and look and, and here's the deal michael jordan was rough as well it wasn't like he was matter of fact a lot more rough than lebron but he was authentic in, in that mm-hmm. uh it was it was in your face look you know you want to get better we want to win here's what you got to do meet me there you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, but i think lebron is doing a lot of general manager work uh when i would love to just see him focus on playing I think you're right. All right. I want to take you back. Well, let's get back on you. Uh, you you said the MK Turk experience. You mentioned that at the start yeah. of the interview. Elaborate a little bit on that and your relationship with Coach Turk, Joe. You know, the one thing about it's interesting. I've played for coaches, uh, you know, from the best to, you know, some people perceive the worst, uh, which is hard to say that, obviously. But, uh, you know, some great coaches and not so great coaches from different reasons. And, you know, one of the best type of coaches, in my, in my opinion, is the coaches that allow players to be players and allow them to put, put them in position so they can do what they do and lead by the point of, look, you know, you know what you got to do and, and, you know, let them grow up and be men, as opposed to micromanaging so much that the, the players can't really be themselves and they never really know, find out who they, who they are. So, uh, you know, Coach Turk was that type of coach, in my opinion. Um, you know, like I said, he was authentic. He was real, straight up. Uh, he wasn't a big yelling coach, which honestly worked well with me because uh, I came off a totally different type of mentality. Uh, I go from, you know, one coach who's a complete control freak and micromanager to a coach that just allows you to make mistakes but allows you to grow through them. But he expected you to, to grow as well. So to me, Coach Turk was, was an awesome coach, one of the best coaches I ever played for. But he wasn't a big X's and O's guy. Um, and like I said, he wasn't literally trying to micromanage you. He just literally allowed you to play. Yeah. And Joe, you played toward the end of Coach Turk's career, and a lot of the, there there weren't very many critics of MK Turk, but those that there were 
said that, you know, the, the inability for Southern Miss teams consistently to play defense was one of his downfalls. But on the other side, M.K. Turk understood that college basketball was entertainment and that people spent money to be entertained. Your reaction to both of those thoughts? Well, well, as a as a score, <laughs> uh, the good defense is score more points than the other team. <laughs> so, so uh, with the, with the second part of that phrase, listen, I think, uh, yeah, I think that he can, he's not known as a as a defensive coach. That's pretty obvious. But at the same time, if you look at your personnel as well, I mean, we were a running gun team, super athletic. I mean, Clarence Weatherspoon, Darren Jenkins. Uh, Darren Chancellor, I mean, you know, all the way down to the point guards, uh, Dallas Dale and Russell, you know, it was just so many athletes in that team. I think he put in the style of play that worked well with some of the top teams at that time. Um, if you remember the big UNLV, UNLV uh, running gun target team, you know, um, I think we uh, led, the, led the, uh, the nation in dunks during that, that time. Uh, and those guys were the big team. So that was kind of the style of play during that time. Joe Courtney is with us, former Southern Miss Golden Eagle basketball great, now a motivational speaker and an author. I have to ask you, though, Joe, being an inspirational speaker, you don't live in a van down by the river, perchance, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely don't, but I watch that, I watch that all the time. I actually put it in a few of my speeches, believe it or not. <laughs> You're talking about Chris, the late uh, Chris Farley, whose inspirational speaker Matt Foley was on Saturday Night Live. How, how did you get to be a motivational speaker and then we want to talk about the book okay so the motivational speaker part came up through uh kind of through the ranks a little bit i was always one of the guys that the uh that spoke to the media um uh for whatever reason in the uh in sports but when i exited sports you know i I really dove in because i majored in architecture and i really dove it into the business side and um, I just used some of the things that I learned, you know, playing with the Bulls, Phil Jackson, all the way through all the teams, uh, Popovich, a lot of great coaches that I played for, and a lot of uh, techniques and things that I learned. And I actually applied them in the business world. And so when I retired from professional sports, within four and a half years, we exceeded 40 plus million in our business. And one of the main reasons was just the culture. And so that culture transferred. And I, and I realized when I started meeting a lot of top uh, business people from Mark Cuban, all you know, all the way across to huge real estate investors and so on and so forth. That there was a lot of uh, common themes uh, that I was using in my business based on you know what I learned in the sports world. And so uh, when I decided to, decide to speak, I wanted to you know kind of give give back, give an impact uh, not only to the community but you know cut my teeth in the uh, corporate environment as well, and really give those audiences and those companies a different approach and different uh, thought process on how they lead and how they build their culture for the company. And, it, you know, things went well, and then it's continuing. All right, Joe, hang on. We're going to hold you through the break, and we want to come on the backside, talk to you some about your NBA career and, of course, your book. Is that good? Sounds good. All right, Joe Courtney's with us, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. He'll be back on the other side of the break. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Center, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Third edition sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill, a great place to have lunch. They serve a great lunch five days a week, uh, great sandwiches, good atmosphere, and the biggest selection of Southern Miss uh, memorabilia that I've ever seen, including some really cool basketball stuff. Uh, so uh, next time you're in that area, stop by and you'll enjoy a good meal at 4th Street Bar and Grill. We're talking to Joe Courtney, who knows a lot about Southern Miss basketball. He was a basketball player for Coach M.K. Turk, went on to play for seven NBA basketball teams and uh, a number of European teams as well. Uh, Joe, obviously basketball uh, a massive part of your life, and, and literally uh, you, you got to see many parts of the world because of your basketball skills. Yeah, it definitely opened up so many doors and, and uh, also so many different experiences. Uh, it, was, it was one of the best things I ever did in my life. And, and uh, you know, obviously going, going to college and starting that whole process, but uh, being able to, to do that was amazing. I want to find out about the book that, you, that you've penned called Above and Beyond the Rim. It's kind of in the, it's kind of in the uh, motivational speaking realm, Joe. Kind of fill in some blanks for us and let us know how it's available. Okay, yeah. So the book is called Life Above and Beyond the Rim, and uh, uh, the book is available on Amazon, or you can go to uh, for a special copy that's uh, a limited edition copy where I actually sign the book. Uh, you go to joecourtneysbook.com, and um, I actually sign those books, and there's a special edition with uh, some additional stuff in it that, that uh, people like. But anyway, the book basically uh, is a 10-step process on how to take your passion of who you are, uh, you know, and then break through any barriers you have, which I call a rim, a glass ceiling, and then go beyond that rim uh, to impact the world with, with that gift. And so it was something that I did, and uh, when I decided to write a book, I wanted to write something that uh, gave back to people as opposed to just talking about myself, which, you know, I didn't feel like I was that interesting, even though I've had some interesting thing happen, things happen. Um, and, you know, the book became a bestseller. I was very proud of that. And I've uh, gotten some great reviews and changed a bunch of lives since then. Good. I guess it doesn't get any cooler than playing basketball with Michael Jordan. But uh, throughout your NBA career, when you look back on it, Joe, what, what are some of the some of the moments that you, you remember most about playing in the National Basketball Association? Well, I, the first thing I and by the way, you're right. There's nothing cooler than than playing with no, Michael Jordan. No, no. <laughs> okay, let's just make that clear. Uh, but I would say a close second is definitely playing the next next season with Charles Barkley. I mean, that's just ridiculous how much fun we had. Uh, but when I look back at the, my my career, obviously I was a journeyman, uh, and even coming out of Southern Miss, I wasn't necessarily the best player on the team. Clarence Weatherspoon was. I was still growing and. And I ended up meeting a guy named Tim Grover, who just so happens to be Michael Jordan's trainer, and uh, had a lot of skill sets. And he was able to turn that, flip that switch. Uh, and he immediately, after meeting me and seeing me play in Chicago, um, you know, had Michael Jordan come the next morning uh, to work out with me, which I didn't know he was going to do that. Uh, you know, great story I talk about in the book. But long and short of it is. Coming into the NBA as a guy who looked up to Michael Jordan, we talk about experiences and most memorable things, okay? Coming into the NBA, uh, sitting on my couch in the ninth grade, 10th grade, looking on television and dreaming, wow, that'd be cool. Watching Michael Jordan lay on the ground with the basketball, uh, you know, and, and the championships and everything else. And then all of a sudden being on the floor with him 
okay, he's passing you the ball for a dunk. I mean, that's I would say that would be the the most memorable experience uh, on the on the court. Obviously, I had some great moments with Charles, and, and Charles was phenomenal. He's to this day one of my best friends. Um, but the other thing I remembered, uh, which I'd love to share, was that the fact that I was always a fan. I think because you know, picking up a basketball my tenth grade year in high school and being a late bloomer, and I was kind of catching up. I was. Uh, I tended to be very aware of my surroundings, and I watched things that I don't know if some of the other guys watched. Uh, you know, from the mannerisms to the hotels to the experiences with the coaches to just like I felt like I had a different view and a different lens uh, going through my journey. Like I had my own little you know deal going through through, through that experience, and because of that, you know, uh, I was able to see some things that I don't think most a lot of people saw that were there that expected to be there. I was literally a fan while I played, and uh, uh, I don't think the people around me knew that because obviously I competed at the highest level with them, uh, but I was literally a fan watching all the greats. I remember playing with, had a chance to uh, play with Dominique Wilkins, who was one of my, also one of my idols, uh, and having to beat him one-on-one at, uh, in San Antonio Spurs, and I said, man, this is going to hurt me a lot more is going to hurt you because you're one of my idols. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, just those experiences, you just can't trade, you know? Right. Hey, do, you, do, you, do you get to follow the Golden Eagles still, Joe? And what do you, what do you, make, of, uh, what do you make of the resurgence this season? Well, I'm loving it, and I'm, I'm kind of getting reconnected with basketball. You know, it's, it's really crazy because when I retired from pro sports, uh, I retired early because uh, my son was born in 2000. And as a result of that, um, you know, I'm just now kind of getting back into the game really hardcore these last few years because I focus on my business and growing my business so many years. And so my son has brought me back into it. And he's now 18 years old, a senior in high school, six foot ten, uh, stretch wow. four. And we are now kind of reengaging and looking at like you know what for the past few years. And then, uh, you know, with, with some of the, the greats that played there, like I call the greats, you know, Weatherspoon and Darren Jenkins and some of those guys are still friends of mine today. It's really good to see them come back. I, you know, I was so excited to hear what's happened to the city and the culture there. It's just really cool because I had a great experience, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like uh, going forward because they've done some great things. Yeah, they really have. Uh, where does your son play basketball? Right now, my son, he is at Pinnacle High School in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, like I said, we're getting ready to go into the club ball season. Uh, he played for a Hillcrest national team where they played all over the United States. And uh, you know, he's been doing good. And he was kind of a late bloomer like I was. Um, and so what I did was I wanted to make sure he had a uh, leg up. And so I've taught him a lot of the upper-level skill sets that he's going to be able to use at the next level uh, that they don't really, really even take advantage of in high school. So... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see him see him grow through. Well, this. you know, we'd love to have a big guy here in Hattiesburg, Joe. Oh, hey, <laughs> I haven't heard from the coaches yet, but uh, we're definitely open if, if they if they reach out to us. So at six ten, he's probably a point guard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Not quite, but yeah. uh, he can put the ball on the floor. He's a great shooter, like I became. Uh, you know, he he's a really good shooter, uh, shooting high. High percentage from the three-point range, but he has great low post game too. He's just a mobile forward. But but, re- but really, Joe Courtney, the the era of the true postman is going the way of the Buffalo, is it not? Yes, we just, absolutely. You just don't see college teams with pure post players anymore. I wonder why. 
you know what? The, the evolution of the game and Steph Curry bringing in the three-point shot like like he did, making it a a big thing. Normally, the big guy dunking, Jordan dunking, was the highlights. You know, Dominique Wilkins, all those guys, uh, they own the game. But then now, the three-point shot is becoming as popular, if not more. I mean, if you look, you see a deep three-pointer. You know, that's shown on ESPN highlights more than some dunks are these days. And so the evolution of the game changed. And what's funny is that I was kind of a tweener when I came out, being six eight and a half, uh, right at six nine. Uh, when I finally finished out, I was a tweener. And I talked to Tim Grover the other day, who, who was a trainer. He said, you know, if you would have played in today's game, because I was a, kind of a big guy that could shoot, uh, he said, you could have easily made $100 million. I'm like, man, look, if, if there was a way I can do that and go back in time, I would have loved to do that. And obviously, right. that was his opinion. But, but yeah, the game has changed, and that's why I'm trying to prepare my son so he can adapt to that as he goes up to the, to the next level of college. All right, Joe, before we let you go, one last question. Does Charles Barkley enjoy life as much as he appears to? More. <laughs> way more. <laughs> He's one of the great personalities, I think, in uh, – and professional basketball. So when you guys played on the team, were you guys terrible? Or were you knuckleheads? Absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, All right, Joe, and real quickly, how can people find your book? Uh, once again, they can go to, uh, if you want a signed copy, you can go to joecourtneysbook.com, and uh, I will get a signed copy shipped out to you. Uh, there's a soft cover and a hard cover as well. We thank you very much for your time. It's a great conversation, and uh, you're welcome on the show anytime, Joe. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, Joe Courtney, everybody. And what a fascinating guy, Kelly. Yeah, and, and has taken he's taken his physical skill set and got himself a college degree, but then has taken some of the mental things that he learned in college, put it into a professional uh, atmosphere and setting, and has done financially very well for himself. And is a blessing to other people who run across his uh, speeches and books and whatnot. And he's a golden eagle. A Golden Eagle to play with Michael Jordan. You know, he's right. It can't be any cooler than that in basketball, can it? Just getting to watch Michael Jordan would have been yeah, cool. Just to know, Yeah, but to be on the floor with him and to play with him, uh, really great conversation. So we thank Joe uh, for his time on the show. Tonight, aren't the awards tonight? Conference USA Awards. Uh, the tournament gets underway. It's my, and, and, and we're getting word that there's there's a really good chance that Doc Sadler is going to be named Conference uh, USA Coach of the Year. And if that happens, Bob, holy cow. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that when we come back. Eagle Hour continues. Bob Getty, Kelly Center, and Michael Mergens. We'll be right back. To the Eagle Hour. Hey, our thanks to Joe Courtney for joining us on the show today, along with Jay Walker. We appreciate both of those guys sharing some time with us. Some great stories from uh, Joe Courtney. Imagine that, uh, guys. Uh, Michael Jordan tells you 
be ready for the ball, and if you don't score, you're going back to the minors. That's uh, pretty impressive. Two words in response. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you were. I bet you were a, a Jordan man, weren't you, Mike? Oh, of course, everybody was. You were a Bulls I have, fan. Uh, I like Mike shirts, of course. Being my name was that too, kind of helped mm-hmm. out. But right, of course. Now, is it still called the United Center, Michael, where yes. they play? As far as I know. Okay. And I do have. I have a ticket someone gave me from the inaugural game at the United Center, which was the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. Right. Went to New Orleans and. But they have a they have a bronze statue of Michael now outside. Yeah. Well, they had that when the yeah, end when they, they built it. Okay. That was okay. part of the. And I actually, ceremony. I actually got to go to the Berto Center where the Bulls work out when Tim Floyd, you know, who's a Hattiesburg native, was coaching the Bulls. Um, and Fred Hoiberg, who, you know, I coached in Little League, went on to coach at Iowa State. Fred Hoiberg actually wound up coaching the Bulls. But I got to go to the Berto Center and see the trophies, mm-hmm. you know, side by side wow. in the trophy case. That's, that's quite a facility, that Berto Center up there. That's right. quite an era. Yeah. The Bulls. Do you mm-hmm. go to Bulls games? No Bulls. Nope. nope. Couldn't afford it. Really? Rich at that expensive. time. Yeah. Now you can get Bears tickets really cheap at that time. Right. Bulls now you can't afford it. Bears tickets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bears it's tickets. one or the right. other. All right. I want to thank uh, Carter Jewelry for sponsoring the fourth segment of the show. Carter Jewelry on Evelyn Gandy Boulevard and Pedal. Beautiful jewelry store. Shay and her staff uh, can custom design jewelry. They've got a great, great array of jewelry, including, of course, the Southern Miss to the top jewelry. Kelly would look so striking with a little Southern Miss to the top. I don't necklace. think there's enough metal anywhere in the world to make a piece of jewelry that would fit any part All of right, me. So we want to thank Carter's Jewelry. If uh, you're in the market for jewelry, that that's the place to go. Thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. All right, so tonight... Both men and women's basketball teams are out in Frisco, Texas, for the conference tournaments that start later this week. And tonight is the award ceremony. And there's growing talk that Coach Sadler may be the coach of the year. And really, we might might kind of be outsiders looking in. Who else would you give it to? Yeah. I mean, consider, based on the expectations mm-hmm. where Southern Miss was picked in the lower third of the conference, now all the way up to a three seed. And according to – I learned more about that formula that, that Vegas puts into place. Vegas thinks mm-hmm. that Southern is the odds-on favorite to win the tournament. It's based on performance away from their home court, performance at neutral sites, performance against the number one seed, which is Old Dominion. Mm-hmm. Southern beat Old Dominion here just last, you know, last week at Old Dominion. So – I mean, he's as deserving as anybody else in the league, if not more so. I hope that it doesn't weigh in favor of the Old Dominion coach simply because of their record. And that's reasonable. Yeah. I mean, that could happen. But, but again, if, if you base it purely on what was expected and what transpired. Doc in the face ha- of adversity, the way the season started. And, and you're still the, not 100% scholarship. Yeah. I mean, if you put all those ingredients together, I don't know how you don't give it to Doc. You know, Kelly, I was at the game Saturday, and I, I thought about this when I was leaving that afternoon. Looking back, and, and of course, we love Coach Knight. We're, we're big supporters of Coach Knight and William Carey. We, we think an awful lot of him. But how in the world did they beat this Southern Miss basketball team? Well, as Coach Knight will tell you, it's because <laughs> he was on the bench. No, 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 no. Um, because that just shows you where they've come from. I mean mm-hmm. – and it would be real easy for teams like that to fold their tents right. and, and quit and quit. But you've seen – remember we talked earlier in the season, too, it doesn't matter how you start a season. It's how you finish the season. And Southern Miss is right where they want to be. You know, they're right where they want to be. They beat the number one seed on, the, on their home court at Old Dominion. Now they're at a neutral site. Mm-hmm. So you take that away. And, again, according to Vegas, these guys make a lot of money making sure they get those numbers right. They say Southern Miss is the favorite to win the tournament. I'm going to tell you something else about Sadler, too. You have to give him a lot of credit for. 
he's a self-assured man. He brought in an assistant coach that was at Arkansas Little Rock that had taken his own team to the NCAA tournament. And he brought in Clarence Weatherspoon, who is the icon of basketball uh, in Southern Miss history. So very self-assured. I'm sure these men have really contributed to the to this program. Uh, man, he... It would be it would be wonderful to see him win it, but boy, would it be well deserved. And it has to be the fact. And of course, he's he's a little grizzled. He's our age. He's been yeah. through he's been through the wars a little bit. But to have the thick skin that he has to oh, take in yeah. some of the abuse from the from the fair weather fans, you know, right. that have been out there. I just hope that those fair weather fans again will weigh and now and now admit they were wrong. You know, at least in this right. in this particular situation, that that there aren't very many people that could do have the patience that Doc Sadler has had when he really understood what cards he was dealt. Right. And it would be real easy for him to cut bait. But right. he hasn't. He's stuck around. The players have stuck around. And again, as I said yesterday, I hope for, for the players' sake, they are rewarded with some type of postseason bid. And wouldn't it be awesome if they won the Conference USA Tournament and be, got to the NCAAs? It would be incredible. Well, and look from a financial windfall, too. Yeah. And you know, they can do it. They like I they, said, they've got a shot. According to Vegas, they're the odds-on yeah, favorite. They, they, I think without question, uh, they have a shot. We're working. Uh, I think they're on their way out there now. I talked to Sheila this morning. We're working to get Doc on the show before the game Thursday night, and uh, uh, people at the school said he's obviously very willing to do that. So when we get him settled, hopefully we'll have him on the show. They get a first-round bye. Uh, Marshall and Rice will play tomorrow, and the winner of the Marshall-Rice game advances to play Southern Miss. If the Eagles win that game, they're in the semis. Right. And that'll be on CBS Sports TV. Right. All right, that wraps it up. Back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, everybody, thanks for listening. And Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.